Let's travel over in the New Testament to John chapter 2. And I want to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. I don't know about you, but my weeks are just busy, busy. It's just amazing how I seem to have little time or not enough time, no matter what. It's difficult just to stop and, in a sense, spend some time with the Lord or just try to live some thought life and just, uh, just in a sense, get settled down. How many of you know this, war, this world is in an uproar? I mean, uh, that's why I think our group was such great songs with words that, that mean so much to us. Speaking of weddings, I want you to go to John 2. I want to read about one. Several, I can't remember when, several months ago on Wednesday night, I spoke from this same passage, an entirely different message. I've, I've been seeking the Lord as to, and I'm sure all ministers are, Lord, what are the words? What, what's needed? And, and I, I, I was telling Brother Martin, I said, Brother Martin, pray for me. My problem is, is that I can't ascertain what to speak. And then it's like when, when I feel the presence and the sense of the Holy Spirit, I, I have 40 things literally that I feel like need to be said. And so saying those and dealing with that is, has, been a, has been a new experience for me. And I, I trust I have sought the Lord to speak to you. With weddings in, in mind, I want to read to you John 2. This morning, will you do me the honor? I know you've stood. Let's, let's stand in honor of the word of the Lord to be read. Chapter 2. Gospel of John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples, who were just, had just been appointed and gathered together, they were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, that little line, don't, uh, don't just push it aside, this was a major issue. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I want you to put yourself in this atmosphere of, of what's happening here. I see it as a large crowd, and there's requirement to furnish refreshments. I'll mention it again. And suddenly, I don't know if their extra guests showed up. I don't know what happened. But Mary eases over to Jesus and says, uh, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, and if you go further to the cross, he'll say, woman, here is your son. And it was a, it was a, a greeting of great affection. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? How many of you know he knew what it had to do? Watch this next line. He said, my hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servant, she just, she just, just watch this. Mary comes up to Jesus and she said, they have no wine. And he goes, woman, uh, what does your concern have to do with me? And she just turned and said, whatever he says, do. She probably said, whatever he says, do it. I don't know. I don't know Mary's personality. 
I know my mama and I know my wife and that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> she just, whatever he says, do it. Now, there were set, there are six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. We'll cover that in a minute. Containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior you have... Then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Here's the issue. When you come, you have the good wine that's more expensive, and after it takes its effect, you can serve cheap wine and they don't know it. I guess. I will tell you, I don't know. Because had I even started... I would have been spanked within a inch of my life. I started to say spanked to death. Every man began, sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Watch the next line. Don't stop there. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. Father, your word is so rich to us. I pray the Spirit of God teach us. Father, may we find a place to enrich this in our lives as we are in a late hour. For the glory of our Christ, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to declare you could almost hear the clock ticking. I have in the last three or four months listened to more prophetic ministers than I have probably in my lifetime. The text verse I want to point to is verse 4. Jesus said, my hour is not yet come, but I want to tell you it was only days away. We hear it. In this setting, there had been 4,000 years of promise, 4,000 years of hope from the time of creation till the manifestation of this miracle. 4,000 years of promise, people hoping, looking forward, following ritual. But it has grown old. And there is a yearning for something in the heart of humanity for a change. Since this particular time, approximately or a little above 2,000 years, lately 
The past few years, some things have been transpiring in the heavenlies and on this planet. They have been stirring, and this very moment, as I speak, there is great uncertainty, and there is great wonder, and I think stirring of faith, and stirring of what is next on this planet. There is that expectation, and when Christ came on the scene in Cana, the world was such as it is today. In John's Gospel, Jesus has chosen his disciples. So can I say that all things are in place? God's timing is my subject, and I want to point it to you in what I want to be pictorial terms. The disciples are chosen. Christ is here. The prophetic words that brought him here have all been fulfilled. And his disciples and his family are invited to a wedding. There there's a feast. The one good thing I want to show you is here we are allowed to see the humanness of the God that came. We get to see Christ's human side. Just like he was prophesied, he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He was a man also who went to parties and enjoyed conversation, fellowship, laughter, good food. Ladies and gentlemen, in all manner of humanity, he identified with us. In the midst of celebration, there comes a great possibility of embarrassment. Suddenly, whether too many guests showed, whatever the case, there's no wine. The bridegroom and the family had obligation, a duty, if you will, to provide ample refreshments. Suddenly, no wine. In this atmosphere, things grew tense, at least in the leadership. Please follow my picture. Here is the impoverishment of the old covenant. 4,000 years has grown old, and the yearnings of the hearts of humanity cry for a change. Ladies and gentlemen, through the centuries, there is a cry of a spiritual need in the deep spirit, the inmost being of humanity. For no matter what we experience in this world, and no matter how satisfied we are with temporal things, there is an eternal yearning of something to be settled in the deep heart of mankind. There is, through 4,000 years, this yearning, having heard the promise of messianic wine, if you will. The world was bankrupt of its ingenious human resources. It had ran the gamut of what it could expect. And the mother of Jesus, Mary, calls attention to the condition. Deep within her heart, she carries the memory of the angel Gabriel that visited her and made an announcement, Messiah will come, and he will come 
through you. She remembers that promise and how immediately it affected everything about her life. Her fiancé, Joseph, what would he do? How would they explain it? And the pressures those young teenagers were under was immense. She carries this day at this scene and this wedding deep in her heart. She carries the mystery of his birth. She knew from the minute of the announcement of Gabriel that Jesus would have a unique identity. And although she cannot fully grasp all of its meaning, you can almost hear, you can almost sense the subtle parental pressure of a mom to a son. But Jesus is no longer under her roof. The time of her authority has passed. He has moved out of his home in obedience to the Heavenly Father to fulfill his ministry. And his times are set by a higher authority. In tenderness, woman, my hour is not yet come. It is a phrase he will utter time and again in the next three years <laughs> until he comes to that hour and it will be his hours on the cross. For that was his divine appointment from day one. My hour is not yet come. Mary turns to the guests, and I think with a quiet release, whatever he says, do it. And can I tell you by her saying that? Listen, Mary gives birth to his body, and in that word, she gives birth to his ministry. And whenever guests arrive, in this Jewish custom, water pots, stone pots filled, as we read, in our measurement, 30 gallons of water were poured over the feet and the hands of the guests. Don't forget their environment, and that's how they... It was, it was a sign of purifying, purification rite. It was an external ritual of cleansing. So this water was poured from some pots and then gathered back in other pots. These pots represent the whole of the Jewish law of the Old Covenant. And frankly, they had become all but meaningless. And can I tell you, in filling these pots, the end is accomplished. Because that old covenant is, is gone. Something new is being presented at this particular occasion. I want to tell you something. I'll never forget it. Even though I was awfully young, I'll never forget this. And perhaps you, and for those of you that don't know, let me say that the first drink of grace is taken cautiously. But once you taste of the grace of our God, 
I drank deeply from the well of living water that suddenly was placed in me. It's called new wine. It's a life that will last eternity. The master of the house, concerned about the wine situation, quietly, quietly, So Jesus performs the miracle. Can I just say the clock stops? And the clock begins. The master sips the wine. He has never tasted wine like this before. Usually, the best wine is given first. The inferior comes later when the guests have drink. And they can't tell the difference. So, with humans, we usually do the opposite. We dress up. We put on the best manners. We present ourselves in the best way we can. And we hope that others will not see how empty we are. And I thank God for nice clothes and paint and powder, don't you? I thank God for all the all the stuff that makes us look good. That, that's but but we do that sometimes to hide what's empty inside. We clean up the front room, the living room, and hope we can keep our guests from getting in the back rooms. <laughs> but not so with the lover of our eternal hearts. With him, the best comes, ladies and gentlemen, at the end. The old wine of the law had given out. Listen to the words, but you have kept the good wine until now. In God's time, new creation had come. And on that occasion, don't miss it, a door to spiritual reality had come to this planet and would change it forever. Everything of the Old Testament that was written on stone was now going to be written in the hearts of human beings. What a change this was. Through this act of Jesus, opened a door to the age of grace. And I want to tell you, eternal life and a new quality of living and a new quality of existence and eternal life forever and ever is now possible through the one who has come to this wedding and brought with him new wine.
All that to say, it was all in God's time. I want to declare to you that God has a timetable. And sometimes in our zeal, and frankly, as pastor is, and please don't say amen to this, sometimes in our impatience, thank you. Sometimes in our struggles with reason and how we level things out and how we make our plans and the way we think everything should go and the way we we set ourselves with the perspective that, frankly, at best is, is riddled with unknown and unexpected expectations. We many times want God's will done quicker then he wants it done. A poem, a little one, says this. Impatient hearts want action now. They fear God's time will be too late. How prone we are to rush ahead when God says, wait. <laughs> Don't you just wish you'd written something like that? That's the introduction of my message. Literally, here's the three points. I want to say to this 2020 generation in the hour that we're living today, I want to say clearly, number one, do not get ahead of God. Moses was God's plan for Israel. It was from the time the Pharaoh declared, declared that children, the boys be killed under two years old. Jochebed, the mother, put him in the basket. He was God's plan. He had it all lined up. God put that burden on Moses. But God, Moses actually got ahead of God's plan. Moses heard many times about his mother. God will send a leader to free his people. And here Moses is, the spoiled brat in Pharaoh's court, but he was a Hebrew. Moses decided God was calling him. So Moses decided in a particular instance, well, why not do this now? Why wait? And let me tell you, sometimes getting ahead of God can cost you. Listen, when you see injustice... I think a righteous mindset wants to do something about it. But understand this, we even have to be used in God's timing on those issues. Moses, let's, let's get this done. And one day he saw an Egyptian oppressing a Hebrew and, and the fracas ensued and actually Moses killed him because he was hurting another Hebrew. The next day, a Hebrew who knew about it made a statement to Moses, who made you prince over us? Do you plan on killing us also? And Moses panicked. And, I, and Moses had this voice, it's time to get out of town. And he ran. I want to tell you something. <laughs> Our secret sins are seldom as secret as we think they are. <laughs> Time to get out of town. And can I tell you, it cost him 40 years. 
but he knew God had a call on him. And when God called him, then he didn't want to. He felt like he had blown it. Anybody in this room ever made a mistake following God? Anybody ever? I want to tell you, just because of that, you don't have an excuse for not following him. Get in the, get in the fracas. Get in the, get in the fight. God called him. Forty years in the wilderness. I just want to say, don't run ahead of God. God knows exactly what he's doing. I love this. Most of you, if you've been around me very long, can finish this. I, I did this back in my first year or second year in ministry. I don't know where I came up with I, I, I don't. I've never heard anybody say it, so I guess I can claim to it. I don't know. But I, I like this statement. The, alignment, the 11th commandment is what? Thou shalt not sweat it. Now the whole world knows. You know, sometimes we try to keep the commandments and we need to get to the the 11th one. Don't sweat this. We get so anxious and so uptight. And we do that sometime out out of a righteous measurement. But ladies and gentlemen, cool it. God's got all this in his own time. Don't get ahead of him. Secondly, don't get behind God. Pastor, are you talking about being just right? Yes. <laughs> there, listen, there are opportunities in life which we must take advantage of or lose that opportunity. Don't get behind. If we fail to act when God is ready, the truth is we may never have the same opportunity again. It's so important. So I want to say a couple of things about getting behind. Making sure you're just right, not ahead, not behind. Number one is this. The day that the Spirit calls you and woos you and draws you to truth and says, give your heart to me, don't get behind that. Don't get ahead of it. Just obey when you hear the Spirit call. Today's the day of salvation. Now's the accepted time. Don't spurn it. Don't put it off. This is the time. Secondly, a mature godly young man or young woman will make preparations and they'll say, Lord, prepare me. And when you say it's time, here I am, send me. And the last point is this. Stay in tune and in touch with God. That sounds so, so simple. Jesus had constant, unbroken fellowship with the Lord. He would minister, pull himself away, and spend time with God. That single staying in touch kept Christ at all times in in fellowship with God. I, I just got into poetry this week, so let me give you a poem that I think May Winkler Goodman put it in this way. Listen to what she said about don't get ahead and don't get behind and stay in touch and in tune. So fast, so fast time's current flows, yet cannot rush the budding rose. While life goes by at breakneck speed, all in its time will burst the seed. Though planes increase their miles per hour, Only the sun can speed the flower. And though man set ahead his clocks, which I wish we'd quit doing, 
The old man said ahead his clocks. He cannot speed the equinox. Let him accept the truth with grace. God alone sets the pace. There is a little word all through the Psalms that is pronounced Selah. We have a resident saint here. Well, we have a man that attends church here. (laughs) He always says, think about it. Do you hear him? You're welcome, Bill. (laughs) Selah, think about it. Pause, meditate, make this count. So I'm going to close. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a peculiar hour, a peculiar moment in time. I will announce to you that I have followed Yahweh, Jehovah God, since I was a five-year-old boy. Pastor, how do you know that? How do you know that? I knew that I didn't know much But I knew I had been smitten with sin. And I knew that somebody loved me. And I gave my heart to the Lord that day. Since then, I have been aware of two worlds existing simultaneously. The beautiful world of creation, which we call nature. It is physical. At the same time, the powerful world of the spirit, we call it the supernatural. They are happening before our eyes. But because I was privileged, and thank you, Mom, and thank you, Dad, and thank you, grandparents, and thank you, pastors, and thank you, Sunday school teachers, and thank you, everybody who poured into my life, I was taught the eternal word of the Lord. I have watched the prophecies of this book since I was about 12 years old. And with great confidence, I want to tell you something. I believe you and I are presently experiencing prophetic days transpiring as I speak. Here's what we're watching. The preparation of the world to witness just like the Christ arrived at that wedding, just like it was changed with one statement from the mother. We are in prep, this world is in preparation for two things. It is the rapture of the church and it is the coming of the Antichrist, the man of sin. I will tell you, I will not set days or hours. It may be months, it may be weeks, could be any moment, it may be ten years. That's up to the Father, but I will declare to you the world is prepping. And if you think that things aren't set in motion today for the Antichrist, look at what's happened in less than six months, not to a nation, not to some organization, but to the world. Powers are gathering with you and I in mind. As in our text for Mary, the prophecies of Messiah had come true. All the way from Genesis 3, the Lamb was promised. And that Lamb marched through 4,000 years. And He arrived in Mary's womb. She gave Him birth. It came true. Watch this. Suddenly, after hearing all the prophecies, after being ridiculed, after being scared to death... Suffering the shame of pregnancy without marriage. And by the way, I still think it's a sin. And I think God will forgive it. 
But ladies and gentlemen, God hadn't changed his mind about how we should live. There she was in the middle of that. Here he was in her womb. Here he was in her home. Here he was, literally from the day he arrived, in control of her life. And all the time, everything moving toward the fulfillment of God's Word. And the moment arrived, she was in tune, on time, with the hour. And her Word said, whatever He says, do it. And the Old Testament gave way to the New Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, we could be moments away from the next major fulfillment on planet Earth. So I want to say two things to the believer and two things to the unbeliever, and I'll be through. To the believer, I want to say two things very quickly. Number one, maintain a purposeful closeness to the Christ. Stay in the book. Stay on your knees. Keep the faith. Stay close to the Lord. Keep your hands and your feet and your body and your life and your belief at the foot of the cross. Why, Pastor? Because it will keep your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus. This book and the Arthur will keep you in peace. And when fear comes, he will he will he will distray, he will dispel it because he is powerful. And there will be for those who stay close, a powerful closeness and a purposeful closeness to this Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be a yearning for the sound of the trumpet for this to all be over because I've seen enough of sin and I say with John even so come quickly Lord Jesus Uh, Amen Number two make special effort to obey the great commission I'm talking about you today and tomorrow let me just say it with a burden for the lost tell them tell them tell them tell them Plead with them. Talk to them. Those who ridicule. Those who mock. Those who are evil. Those who question. Those who are violent. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. It's the only good news they may ever get. I have two things quickly to say to the non-believer. I tell you plainly from the depths of my heart. I know what this world has done to this book and its author. I know in 63 we kicked God out of school and his book and prayer. And America's been literally suffering ever since. And we're at the, I play, I think, one of the apex of the result. I want to say to the unbeliever, whether you believe it or not, this book is true. And you can push it off and say it's archaic and despise it. That's because Satan has inspired all of that. And that is your servant. I want you to know whether you believe it or not, this book is true. I will declare to you its prophecies are true. Its precepts are true. Its principles are true. And the the author of the prophecies are is true. But let me tell you this, unbeliever, it offers you an opportunity for eternal salvation.
And that offer is through Jesus Christ, who was and who is divine. He arrived in the womb of Mary. He was birthed just like he was prophesied 4,000 years. He did his ministry. He was prophesied to go to the cross. Read Isaiah. Read Jeremiah. Read Daniel. Read Ezekiel. Read the prophets. He will arise with healing in his wings. This is the one. He's the Christ. He is and was and is divine. He's the second head of the Godhead. It is true. Your decision, nobody else's, your decision, your decision will determine your eternity. And I can love your soul, and I can help you, which I would, do anything I can. I think it's our calling. But it's only fair that I tell you, you have a choice. All of you in the media, you have a choice. God put that choice in you. God placed it there. It was back to that yearning I was talking about the hearts of men through the old covenant and now in the new. That choice, if you choose Christ, it will place you in an eternity where there is peace and joy. There will be no more tears and there will be no more sorrow and fellowship with the Father forever is the greatest thing that you'll ever experience. I want to say plainly, you make that choice or you will be numbered among those to whom it was said, including Satan, your knee will bow, your tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But when that bowing and that confession is made, it'll be too late. I don't know how to say it any plainer. Your rejection of this Christ will conclude in eternal darkness. That's the reason that though you may think me foolish, that's the reason I want to come and speak about God's timing. Because I want to tell you, on Facebook, YouTube, hundreds, thousands in this sanctuary, today, may be the most important day of your life because now is the time to accept the Christ he has given us today so with that said I want you to invite God into your heart it's God's timing saints in this room will you pray with me I want to pray with all those viewing by the internet I've tried to be as honest as I can, straightforward as I can. Some, some of you may think that it's too simple. But the Lord said, except you become as a little child, can't enter the kingdom. You just have to have faith. You just have to believe. Just pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, we hallow your name. Lord, I sense the word coming to me. And the Spirit drawing me. I realize today our world is in chaos. I realize that men do not have the answers. Truth is, we need a divine. We need God. 
And I ask the Father to come into my heart. I ask Jesus to forgive my sin. I accept the blood sacrifice He made in His innocence for me who is guilty. I just say to you, Lord, come into my life. Cleanse me. Make me new. For I want to spend eternity in a beautiful heaven with my beautiful, lovely Lord. Amen.